The music is provided by Calvary Quartet. You can have more of their music at calvaryquartet.com or log on to our website at gospelbaptistchurch.com. There came a sound from heaven. Take your Bible if you would, and let's look in Luke chapter 19. I want to talk about a parable tonight. Luke chapter 19. Um, Parable, you got to be careful with parables. You got to be careful. You can make a parable say, Pass what it says and do what it's not supposed to do. Parable, basically an earthly uh, illustration of a heavenly truth, usually has one major theme to it. Uh, You just got to be careful about it. You don't make it say. But in verse 11, through 27, it's a long one. Let me read just for overall quickly as I can as you read down there through. That will give us a general familiarization, and then I want to bring out some truths about this parable that I think will help us, I know will, by the grace of God. The title of the sermon, it's all about authority. It's all about authority. I preached another sermon that's called, it's all about the Bible. The issue is the Bible. I believe that to be truth because I think it's the same, really, uh, to a point, the same kind of theme. The issue about everything is authority. And in the 60s, when I was raised, it was a very anti-authority group of people. In fact, they used to put bumper stickers on the back of cars, question authority. Uh, if you don't have authority, what else do you have? You have chaos. And, and nobody, nobody, nobody wants to live in chaos. Nobody wants to live in an environment where there's no authority. Because when there's no authority, that means every man's doing what's right in his own eyes, and that is not fun and pleasant, can't do business, can't do inter- interstate commerce, can't, can't do anything when that's going on. Everybody breaks up into little gangs and tries to do good for themselves, and it's just horrible. When we had the hanging shed situation here in Florida a few years ago, that was a very, very that was as close to chaos as I've ever been in my life. When uh, when the Democrats said they would not accept the elect the results of the election, and they questioned it at one time, okay, I can live with that. You want to recount? Recount. They recounted one time, they lost again. They said that wasn't a good recount. Blah 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 blah. And then they said do recount a second time, and then I said to my wife, we're in trouble. We're in trouble. Recount a second time. And we won, and the Republicans won again. And a third time, I think even a fourth time, they said we uh, excluded uh, certain people and and uh, they couldn't vote because they, they weren't citizens. And uh, on and on it went. It got worse. Once Supreme Court, when I told my wife, we may be this may be the end of uh, the United States as we know it. If the if the Democrats do not get a favorable decision by the Supreme Court, they may not accept it. They may say, well, we're just not going to accept the Supreme Court. That was the final what? Authority. Because everything was about authority. It was who's got the final say here. Because if, if, if eventually, if it, let's say the Republicans had lost that decision, we may have looked and said, you know, we don't, we got a, we got a stacked deck up there in the, in the Supreme Court. We don't accept it. And if as a group we say we don't accept it, then what do we accept? Civil war. Because that's the only thing else can happen after that. You know, them people in 1860 weren't dumb people. Those were some of the, maybe the smartest people America ever had, that group of people in the 1860s. And yet they went to war thinking it was going to be a little short skirmish. 
Five years later, 600,000 deaths with millions of permanent injury, they finally realized it was not, a, it was not going to be a six-month skirmish. My dad was a real student of the Civil War and uh, read much about it. And it always amazed him how you can take people that are brothers, people that get along every day long, but when you lose authority, they go at each other to the death. It can happen again. It can happen again. We need to pray for America and pray that never happens. Verse 11, and as they heard these sayings, he added and spake a parable because they were nigh in Jerusalem because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. I mentioned a little bit about Judas. I think that was his trouble. This is exactly what Judas Iscariot was. He was with them because he was not a believer. He believed the kingdom of God was going to immediately appear. He believed Jesus was going to be the king and going to take the Romans out. And it was a political side of Judas rather than the spiritual side. The rest of the people who were saved, the rest of the disciples who were saved, they had a spiritual understanding. Even they were a little fuzzy, but they did understand he was going to go to Jerusalem and die and be raised again the third day. And they understood Isaiah 53 enough to know there was a suffering Savior. However, the king, uh, these carnal aspects that that is, we want to be delivered now. We don't want to wait till down the road. We want to be delivered now. Judas had that same aspect that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. Jesus said, no, no, no. He said, therefore, a certain nobleman went to a far country to receive for himself a kingdom uh, and to return. The nobleman, I believe, is Jesus. He said, therefore, a certain nobleman, oh, I read that already. And he called the ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said to them, Occupy till I come. I happen to believe that's you and me and everybody else that's ever been saved. But his citizens hated him, that is the world, and sent a message after him saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. And is that really not what the issue is? And it came to pass that when he, when he returned, having received the kingdom, then he commanded these servants to be called unto him. That's the servants now, not the citizens to whom he had given the money, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. And then came the first, saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained ten pounds. Now they say a pound is worth about three months' worth of wages. And he said unto him, Well done, thou good servant, because thou hast been faithful in very little. Thou have authority over ten cities. You know, you have to have authority to give authority. And the second came, saying, The Lord, thy pound hath gained five pounds. And he said likewise to him, uh, be thou also over five cities. And another came and said, Lord, here is thy pound, which I have kept laid up in an napkin. For I feared thee. The Bible says perfect love casts out fear, doesn't it? Because thou art an austere man. You're tight. Thou takest up that thou layest not down, thou reapest where thou didst not sow. And he said unto him, Out of thine own mouth will I judge thee, thou wicked servant. Thou knewest that I was an austere man, take us up where I laid not. He didn't dispute that, reaping where I did not sow. Wherefore, then gave us not thy my money into the bank, my money, by the way, my money into the bank, that at, thy, at my coming I might have required mine own with usury. And he said unto them uh, that stood by, Take from him the pound and give it to him that hath ten pounds. And they this. <laughs> Said him, they were stunned by this. Lord, he had ten pounds. And he said to him, that, uh, that unto every one which has shall be uh, given, and from him that hath not, even that which he has shall be taken away from him. That's where we get the phrase, the rich get richer, and the poor get poorer. 
those mine enemies which would not that I should reign over them, that's the citizens, bring hither and slay them before me. Father, give us wisdom as we go down through this. Help us to get something to go home with. Help us to have a heart that's teachable, a mind that's teachable, open to the word of God. Uh, help us to confess one to another those things. Uh, confess our sins one to another. There be nothing between us and thee and each other. But Father, we may have peace one with another and with thee. Help us in Jesus' name. Amen. There are two reasons given for the parable in the Bible, that they were near Jerusalem, and they thought the kingdom would be visible then. There was an authority problem in context, if you go back in, in the other chapters before as well as after. There was obviously the problems with Pharisees and Sadducees and Rhodians, um, and the lawyers and the scribes, was an authority problem. They did not accept him as an authority. He didn't have their college degree. He didn't graduate from the right schools. He wasn't uh, lettered. He was a carpenter's son. He had no credibility. Who was he? Who does he make himself out to be? And I always, they, they missed God. Of course, the whole sermon there, don't miss God. If God don't come the way you think he ought to come, beware the way you think he ought to come. Be careful when you start boxing God up and saying he's got to come this way, dress this way, with a haircut in a specific manner, like this. God can even come through this. Um, but these, uh, there was a third reason for the parable, and that they were not willing to place themselves under his authority. It's about authority, uh, and it's about his kingdom. He's talking about his kingdom here. He's talking about leaving us uh, with this, with some duties to do as his servants. And the, the kingdom of God now is not ruling in this world. And everybody said, that's right, man. I mean, yeah, the, the God of this world is who? Yeah, that's right. Uh, I, I, this world is not my home. Just a passing through. I mean, this thing, this thing out here is anti-God in every aspect of it. I mean, their whole philosophy is anti-God. From start to finish, from front to back, side to side. Their philosophy, the way they look at life, the way they, the Bible calls it worldliness. Love not the world. It's not talking about the birds, the bees, the trees, and all this other stuff. It's talking about these people and their philosophy of life. Love not their philosophy. Love not their ideas and what they, they take on, on living. or the, Because it's based on the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Which are not of the Father, but they're of the world. The world is going to be judged and eventually pass away. Will not even come into mind or be remembered. And yet, for some folks, it's their whole world. It's their all in all. Don't let it be that way with you, dear servant. Because we have a king. His name is Jesus. Luke chapter 17, verse 21, Neither shall they say, Lo here or lo there. Jesus said, For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. Right now, we call it the invisible kingdom. But it actually is visible through us. But the kingdom of God now resides in my heart. I want to sing. I don't know why. In my heart, there is a melody. Amen. It's, I mean, God's in me, the hope of glory. Who am I that I can have Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit of God, representing who, the, God himself in me, the hope of glory, that I can be the holy of holies. Woo. I think of those high priests that can only get them once a year. Once a year to the holy of holies. We got the holy of holies right there. We can come boldly before the throne of grace tonight. and We can ask for grace and mercy to help in time of need. Which is about all the time. How about you? I get up every morning and say, Lord, help me through the day. 
help me through the day. And I don't do that just because I'm a preacher. I do that because I'm just a, a, a person. I'm, a, I'm one of the servants in this world that's been told, occupy till I come. Christ's kingdom is where Christ is king. And right now, Christ is not king of this world, but he is king in the hearts of his servants. Amen? Authority is the key here, both visible and invisible. Right now, Christ is not the authority of the world, but he will be. He's coming. He's going to make it. He's going to put his feet in the Mount of Olives. He's going to split in two, and a river's going to run over to the Mediterranean. A river's going to run to the Dead Sea. They're going to fish again someday in the Dead Sea. I hope I'm there. hope I can cast a line in the Dead Sea. I've been there one time already. We'd like to go there one more time and see King Jesus at New Jerusalem there. But the first coming of Christ to earth was without too much notice, but the second coming of Christ to earth will every eye shall see him. In Matthew 24, 27, it says, For as lightning cometh out of the east and shineth unto the west, so also shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Thessalonians had been taught that the resurrection was over. Paul had to rebuke them and say, No, 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 no. The resur- you're going to know when the resurrection happens, amen? In Matthew chapter 24, verse 30, it says, And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. They shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. It's not going to be a hidden It's not going to be a hidden thing. Everybody's going to see it. I am real curious in 2430 there what the sign of the Son of Man is. I don't know if you've ever spent any time meditating on that. But something's going to happen in the heavens that they're going to know Jesus is coming back. Not Muhammad. Jesus is coming back. And God's going to give them understanding when they look through the Hubble telescope or they look through their binoculars. I don't know how visible it's going to be in the night sky. Will it be visible in the day sky? It's possible. But if the earth rotates at least once every 24 hours, everybody in the whole world is going to be able to see the sign of the Son of Man. The Bible says when they see it, they're going to mourn about it rather than get right with God. They're going to mourn. They're going to shake their fists to God. They're going to curse Him. They're going to go say to the mountains, fall on us and the caves and the rocks, fall on us, hide us from the face of the Son of Man. Why? Authority. He's the authority to overcome all of their authority, all of their, all of their activity. Revelation 1-7, behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him. They also which pierce him. This is a tremendous, interesting statement in Revelation 1. Said, that means the dead are going to see him and the alive are going to see him. Those people who believe when you die, you die like a dog, and you cease to exist like before you were born, which, by the way, I think they insult dogs on that. You don't die like a dog because you don't know how a dog dies. You don't know that your dog ain't up there waiting for you. I hope not. But maybe it's the way it'll be. But, oh, I was hoping to get away from them by the time I went to heaven. But <clears throat> having gone door to door for 46 years, brother, I am this right here with dogs, I'll tell you. <clears throat> Pigs I like. Good with pigs. Oh, brother. Zechariah 12 10 says, I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. They shall look upon me whom they have pierced. Now, look, they've been dead uh, 2,000, almost 2,000 years now, and their eyes are going to see him. Both the living and the dead are going to be able to see him. And the Bible says they'll be in bitterness for him, as one as bitterness for his firstborn that if you lose your firstborn. I mean, they're not going to be happy, happy because they've already made their decision and been locked in on where they're at with, with the Son of God. They're anti-authority. 
See, it really comes down to this. You accept Jesus Christ as your authority or you reject him as your authority. It is all about authority. Who is ruler over your life? Who? You say, well, nobody is. Oh, yes, there is. By saying nobody is, is saying that you are, which is saying the world is, because there's only two authorities. Our brother said that there's only a saved and lost. There's only a light and darkness. I know Jesus, he wasn't real kind when he talked to Pharisees. He says, ye are of your father. These are the most religious folks, most uh, uh, religiosity. They got, they got religion hanging off of them, brother. I mean, they got memorization of the whole Old Testament. They are put their hand to the plow on being religious. And he says, you're of your father, the devil. And the lusts of your father you'll do. He was a murderer and he's a liar from the beginning, both not the truth. He said, you're either one camp or the other. You say, Brother Bill, you're insulting me. I'd rather insult you and have you go to heaven than speak well of you and have you go to hell. The truth is the truth is the truth. And you're not an exception and I'm not an exception. I am putting myself under his authority. I want to be under his authority. And that's what you do really when you get saved and then when you get dedicated to him. Well, I said in verse 12 there, he said, therefore, let's do a little exposition here. He said, therefore, a certain noble went to a far country to receive him for himself a kingdom and to return. Uh, you men of Galilee, why, why stand you gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus which is taken up from you in heaven shall so come in like manner as you see him go into heaven. He went back to, to go to heaven, and of course, by that time already he had provided, I believe he had presented his, his blood on the mercy seat. Uh, it says in, in Hebrews 9:11, but Christ being come as a high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered once into the holy place that is in heaven, not on earth, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Verse 14 in Hebrews says, How much more than the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? In chapter 8 and verse 1 it says, Now of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. And I love it anywhere in the Bible where he says, this is the sum. I like summation statements. He says, We have such an high priest who was set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. And he's there, he's making intercession for us. We're under his authority. Wherefore, he is able also to save them, the uttermost who come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. There's a certain nobleman in this parable, I believe, is speaking about Jesus, is going back into heaven. And what's he doing? He says, I go to prepare a place for you. Can you imagine uh, somebody building a house for you like God for over 2,000 years? It's going to knock your socks off when you get there. Amen? And the nice thing is you won't have to be married to him all that time. Amen? There's no marrying or giving in marriage by that time. Amen? How long have you all been married? Oh, my goodness. She can't even imagine not being with him for eternity. Oh, you will. <laughs> you will. You will. Nine months. Wow, these newlyweds are killing me. He said, call these servants, deliver them, and said, occupy till I come. Some people mean that they think they take that to sit down, do nothing. No, no, no. By the very nature of God, he's a worker. God's a worker. God don't sit around, brother. In fact, he don't sleep. 
God's a worker. He's all over it. I, maybe there won't be sleep in heaven. I'm for that, by the way. I'd like to work 24-7 if you felt good. Amen. Why would you go to bed? Some of you people, some of you people sleep in as a, as a sport. I don't think you're going to have that in heaven. Occupy till I come. Well, we got the Great Commission. The word occupy means to busy. You look it up. You look it up. To busy oneself with, to trade, to produce, to, 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 get, uh, to get something for God, to do something for God, to be active. The pound, about 50 shekels, three months' work or whatever. It had been delivered to them. It's a heritage. And brother, the responsibility of the gospel has been laid in these earthen vessels. I don't know why God put the responsibility on such a failing creature as myself, such a weak creature as myself, but he said, occupy till I come. I'm giving you what I would do. I'm giving you the commission to tell everybody about me that Jesus saves. You go out there and do it. I'm giving it to you. Now, listen, take under my authority and do it. I'll be with you under the end of the world, under the end of the age. Occupy till I come. And that's what they were supposed to do. But it wasn't saying verse 14, but his citizens hated him. Sent him a message. Sent message after the nobleman said, We will not have this man to rule over us. And brother, the world, for the most part, is that's where they're at with Jesus. The key to the problem why people reject Jesus is authority. The issue is authority. It was the issue in the garden. It was the issue when Satan fell. It was the issue when they crucified Christ. In Matthew 7, 29, they said, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. They picked right up on that. Matthew 21, 23, and when they had come to the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came unto him. He was teaching and said, by what authority doest thou these things? Who gave thee this authority? That was their constant question. It was about authority. By the way, they had rejected John the Baptist, which was the forerunner of Christ, as an authority. He says, they said in Luke chapter 2, verse 20, they said, uh, verse 2, they said, tell us by what authority you do us these things. He says, who gave you this authority? He says, I will, I'll tell you. I'll tell you if you tell me. Baptism of John, where did it come from? From men or from God? They had rejected John. They knew that. In front of that whole group, which, which took John the Baptist and should have, and it was rightfully so they took John the Baptist as a prophet from God. If they'd have said, well, he's not of God, they'd have been stoned. If they said he was of God, then he said, well, why didn't you get baptized by them? Well, because when they came to him, they weren't willing to publicly confess their sins. They were proud. The Bible says John the Baptist had them coming down the Jordan confessing their sins publicly. Then he'd baptize them. He said to the Pharisees, bring some fruit of repentance, and I'll baptize you. Otherwise, I'm not baptizing you. Fruit of repentance is humility. It's brokenness. It's the sacrifices of God or a broken spirit and a contrite heart. If you've got, you got a dose of the Holy Spirit, brother, you're not walking around saying how good you are, how much better you are. You're broken. Nobody's, but you're the worst of the worst. You'll start talking like Paul. I'm the chief of sinners. Then you'll get in a fight over who's the chief. No, I'm the chief. No, you're the chief. No, I'm the chief. That's the... That's the, that's the uh, symptoms of the Holy Spirit when he comes. Man, pride is our enemy of enemies. It's the sin of the devil himself. I struggle with it. 
I struggle with pride. If you don't believe it, ask my wife. I know you haven't found any fault in him yet, but you will. Right, Heather? It's a beautiful thing. My wife's seen me at the worst possible. My wife's seen the flesh in me come out so bad. Seen the pride come out in me. Beat my chest. I'm the king of this castle. I got no followers. Just about ran her off. Why do people reject Christ today and won't humble themselves? You gotta humble yourself to be saved. You gotta admit you're a sinner. You flat gotta admit you're a sinner, undeserving of the grace that God has given. Can you over humble yourself? I doubt it. You know, sometimes people come forward multiple times in invitations, and they'll come forward, and they'll come forward, and they'll come forward, and they'll come forward. People sometimes look at them critically and say, you know, they must be weak minded or weak-willed. Why do they come forward like that? Brother, I'd rather be accused of going forward every service and being too humble or too sensitive to the invitation or too sensitive to the call of God than stony hard and cold. Man, God have mercy on us. Another truth here is men don't just not like Jesus, they hate him. John chapter 3, maybe the best place anywhere in the Bible, verse 16 through 21, explains by Jesus in his own words how much they hate him. They hate him because they, they're, they're afraid that their deeds of evil will be revealed. They love darkness more than light because their deeds were evil. And you say, well, they don't, I don't think they consciously understand that. But Jesus is letting us in. You know, the secrets belong to us. Remember I mentioned that in, what was that, Deuteronomy 29, 20? The secrets of the Lord. They, we understand that because Jesus told us behind the scenes the reason they're rejecting him is because they love their darkness. They love their sins, and they don't want their sins to be revealed. They don't want to be embarrassed. They don't want to lose our reputation. I hate reputation. I want to have a reputation of being broken. I want to have a reputation of being humble. I want to have a reputation of being transparent. I want to have a reputation of, of, of not having a, 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 a... I had one evangelist come through to Ron Comfort. and remember eating with us uh, preachers. Uh, we eat together with him and had a little fellowship with old Ron. And he's a godly man, been all over the place. And he said, boy, it's a pleasure to eat with you folks. He said, I get so tired of being around big shots. Big shots. That's big shots in their own eyes, not in God's eyes. If you're small in your eyes, you'll be a big shot with God. Be small in your eyes. It's a choice. It's a choice. We all got to do it. Well, he gave one of the folks, you know the pair of verse 15 there. He gave one of them. He gave everybody a pound. One guy said, I come back with 10 pounds. Woo-wee, 10 pounds. Amen. Some, some multiply 30-fold, some 60-fold, some 100-fold. I can't explain why. You know, it's just God's way. Some people got, you know, some guy could sell ice cream to, to an Alaskan. I mean, you know, I've just known him. I mean, you know, they, they're just the best soul winners I've ever been around. I mean, some people go explain the gospel. People get saved. I mean, you know, other people, they still have trouble. But it's okay. It's okay. 
as long as you're out there trying. Amen? As long as, you're, as, long as you don't quit trying. Because you, 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 you failed sometimes. He won a boy. He said, well, I'm going to make you give you, what is he? I'm going to give you 10 cities, authority over 10 cities. See, the theme of this whole parable is authority. I'm going to give you a 10 city authority. You say, I don't care about what rewards I get in heaven. I'll just be glad to get there. You're lying to yourself. You will care. Just like you care right now what kind of car you drive. Just like you care right now what kind of countertops you got. Just like you care right now what your house is. Just like you care right now what kind of shoes you got, girls. Just like you care right now if you got a hairdo or not. I've seen in my life some reptiles with hairdos. The one had five. Didn't criticize him at all, did he? Didn't criticize him at all, having five. No, not one time. He said, you have five? Good. Well done. A good and faithful servant. Here's authority over. I believe if one would have had two, it would have been, it didn't. But, I mean, he, the other one came and said, well, I, only, I, I was afraid of you. Came up some mumbo jumbo. I was afraid of you, so I said, I just was afraid. I was afraid to get embarrassed, so I never told anybody about Jesus. I was afraid I wouldn't know what to say, so I never told anybody about Jesus. I was, I was afraid, so I never obeyed you, Lord. I never did your will. I was afraid. I was afraid. You don't want to face Jesus like that. They were all judged according to their works because they, I believe they were all saved. I believe he's talking about three saved people. The Bible says in Corinthians there'll be some people, their, their, their works will be under the fire of God's judgment. They'll be burnt up, and they, all of their works will be burnt up because they weren't for God, and they'll suffer loss. The word suffer is a strong, strong word. There'll be an agony over the loss of eternal rewards right in front of them. Uh, God, heaven, and everybody else, as their works are piled up, there's some, uh, the Bible says some uh, silver and gold and precious stones, some wood, stand, uh, wood something else, and stubble, and they're going to be burned up. Some will be saved as by fire. Oh, I don't want to be one of them. You don't want to be one. You don't want to be this guy with the one. You don't want to be him. You don't want to be him. You don't have to be him either. There's, there's, there's five principles taught in this passage. Let me give them to you real quickly in the next hour. Principle number one, if you are faithful in a little, more will be given you. If you're faithful in a little, more will be given you by Jesus. Number two, you must be under authority to ever be given more authority. If you're a renegade, God's not going to trust you with anything. But if you're under authority and submissive to authority, then God can trust you with authority, and he'll give you more authority as he sees fit. Thirdly, you cannot gain without giving. You cannot give and it should be given unto you. Give hilariously, as it said. Be a cheerful giver. What you sow, you reap. You're literally, you, all of us are determining what kind of reward we're going to have, what kind of eternity we're going to have with that reward by your a level of obedience, not by how much you do, but whether you're faithful at what you do. You cannot gain without giving. Fourthly, if you sow liberally, you'll reap liberally. So I want to sow liberally. I'm around looking for, to, I'm around every day. I want to get up, thank God for you, Sikoras back there. Praise God for both of you. 
you old folks, and I got to call you that because you're some of the oldest people among us. They're in that penalty box behind you there, brother. That's right. They're looking at you. Those two folks have taught me to be eager and hunting to help people. Oh, Lil one time told me, we get up every morning and say, well, who are we going to do some good for today? And I thought, man, I need that. Amen. I've been there when they've been arguing too, but I ain't going to bring that up. Oh, I like that. I like that. They've encouraged me. What can I do? I want to, tomorrow, I want to do something good for somebody. Amen. I want to, I'm going to do some random act of kindness. I like that term. Fifthly, those who are lazy and do not want to work for Jesus make up all kinds of excuses. 50, the 50 reasons why not to do something. Don't you like to hear that as an employer? As an employer with employees, and I've had employees. Uh, in fact, I still, I guess I do. But what I don't want to hear is 50 reasons why it can't be done. How about 50 reasons why we ought to give it a shot? And then after those 50 reasons, if we fail, let's come up with another 50 why we can get her done. Because I've pretty much learned, unless they shoot you, you can pretty much do it. There's overcome. I used to know people that just said, no way, they wouldn't be discouraged, they'd do it no matter what. And, you know, one of my, when I laid floor covering for 17 years, one of the major issues in laying floor covering was problem solving. You would, they'd say, well, this can't be done. I, don't you like the word can't? You know what that really means? I don't want to. I don't want to. You can almost, with, by the way, with God's on your side, you can do anything he wants you to do. You're going to a Muslim country, 99-some-odd percent Muslim, brother. You can do it with God. You can do it. People say, are you crazy giving your life to a Muslim country like that? Not if God's in it. Not if God's in it. Well, that one old boy, that old wicked servant, he didn't—he got called some serious names. I don't want to be him. Don't make up a bunch of excuses why you can't do the will of God. Get in there while you got a little opportunity, and this is a small opportunity window we have called life. Give it everything you got. I like old Harold Seitler, Tabernacle Baptist Church, Greenville, South Carolina, my pastor for about four years. He said, die busy. Ooh, I like that. One time in one of the sermons I listened to him, he said, die with a hundred unfinished projects. That just described my tool room. I got things going on here and going on there and going a little bit here, and I've got to wait for a part there, and I can't remember to get that part, forgot that part, but I got all these unfinished projects. I mean, I just went in the other day and I said, I feel bad if I die suddenly and not able to finish all this stuff. Finally, if I may say, the last thing I want to point about this parable is that he judges the citizens. Those are the lost folks who hated him and did not respond. Those mine enemies, which were not. By the way, by the way, let me point this out. To be a friend of the world is to be a what? Enemy of God. Are those my enemies? Boy, we Christians don't have any business being a friend of this world. Beware about that. Don't be, a, don't be a friend of their philosophy and the way they do things and all that. Lord, be, be under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, yes, we work in the world. Yes, we got to negotiate with those folks. And yes, we do business with those folks. But don't let them influence you through the 17 years I laid floor covering. They asked me to cheat. They asked me to lie. They asked me to shade the truth. Uh, uh, they asked me to, 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 to take stuff that wasn't mine. All kinds of temptations came my way. And during that time, I thought, when it would happen, I think, ooh, you're going to see whether I'm being honest now. In other words, with God, I would say, ooh, 
you want to test me to see if I'm going to be honest. So I was honest. Ooh, you want to test me to see if I'll take a small thing, not a big thing. Ooh, you're wanting to do something with me later on down the road. And the only way you're going to do with something with me later on the road is if I pass these tests. To who's given a little, you're eventually, if you're faithful with a little, then you're, you're given much. You're given much. But boy, these folks, he said, take them, bring them before me and slay them. This is the God of love, by the way. This is a God of love. They would not let him. They were anti-authority. You say, well, why do they have authority? Well, because without authority, this place would self-destruct. I mean, your little family will self-destruct. You've got to be the head. Or she's going to be the head. Somebody's got to be the head. You have to have a leader in a group. You, you over there, Abdel, you got to have a leader in your family. Amen. And you're bigger than her, so you ought to be able to do it. One thing I learned, women may be small, but they are tough. They are tough, brother. They're negotiators. But, I mean, somebody's going to be the leader. I mean, it's his church. Somebody's going to be the leader. And the deacon, somebody's going to be the leader out there. And somebody's got to be, they, somebody has to be the leader. We need to be under his authority, not anti-authority. By the grace of God, we submit to the authority of God, and we say, Lord, we want to do your will. Well, you've given us some responsibility. And that's what we've been doing all 36 years here at the gospel. Every one of those pictures representing a year. Uh, those people that are in those pictures, almost 150 of them are gone into heaven already and, and, and ready to uh, receive their reward by the grace of God all together one time down in the future when we're judged. But by the grace of God, they submitted to authority and a little bit, build a little bit, and a little bit, build a little bit, and by the grace, we're able to do some good through the years that by that, that rust and moth did not corrupt, nor thieves break through with a steal. Right now at your house, somebody may be in with a U-Haul, taking everything you ever, ever saved, ever thought was precious. You say, I got a safe. They throw a chain around that on a four-wheel drive, and they rip that whole concrete and all right out of the house. Right? I saw a picture where they went out to the side of a guy's house. They just put a chain through the window around a safe and busted right through the wall and everything, drug it down the road. Now, they may have a little hard time on my safe when they put a torch to it with those three quarts of black powder. Three quarts of black powder under compression. I don't think they'll spend it. But it won't be mine either. It'll be gone. And they may be, I may go home and have the carpet. I saw one time I laid carpet in the guy's house, and I'll quit with this. Laid carpet in Cape Coral, 5 o'clock, finished up, got in the, did everything. Did the floor covering, vinyl, did the carpet, pad, tax strip, did the whole house, the new house. It was beautiful. We left. Jumped in the truck, went out. I got home about 8 o'clock. Got a phone call and said, why didn't you carpet that house? I told you to carpet that house. I said, I did carpet that house. I just finished. I'm thinking, oh, I did the wrong house. <laughs> First thing going through my mind, I've already, I had done that before. I did the wrong house. You're on the south side with the same address as the north side, but you were on the south side, not the north side. The layout of the houses were exactly the same. What would be the chances of that? It happened. 
Well, anyway, I said, I got the right address. I went to my paperwork. I said, my helper was with me. I said, we witnessed my helper. There was also a couple guys came through that day and witnessed that I was laying this stuff because they think you stole it. And I said, I didn't steal the stuff. I did lay it. I'll guarantee you, I put the tax strip down. I put the vinyl down. I put the carpet down. They said, well, the carpet and the pad are gone. They're not there. They never, they don't look like they were ever there. I said, wait a minute. Literally, after I left, somebody came in there and tore the carpet and the pad out of that house. And they must have lived in a house fairly similar to that because it wouldn't do you much good otherwise. There's nothing secure in this world except what you do for him. What you do for him. May God help us to learn from this parable about being under authority. Father, help us. We pray you forgive us where we have been anti-authority. I have a streak in me, a proud, full streak of anti-authority. It's been my enemy, my nemesis. Uh, Father, help us to, to be controlled by the love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. The blessed Holy Spirit. Forgive us where we have been in the old flesh. Help us to get right along the way as that goes on. Help us to be one of those servants that was given a pound and, and, and it made five pounds. Or given a pound and made ten pounds. Oh, what a joy to hear the words, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of thy Lord. May that be for us. May not one in the sound of my voice miss that tonight. Help us in Jesus' name. Amen.